You're listening to Biceps After Babies Radio, episode 233. Hello, and welcome to Biceps After Babies Radio, a podcast for ladies who know that fitness is about so much more than pounds lost or PRs. It's about feeling confident in your skin and empowered in your life. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, a registered nurse, personal trainer, wife, and mom of four. Each week, my guests and I will excite and motivate you to take action in your own personal fitness as we talk about nutrition, exercise, mindset, personal development, and executing life with conscious intention. If your goal is to look, feel, and be strong and experience transformation from the inside out, you, my friend, are in the right place. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. If you are tired of your only tool for transformation being restriction, and deprivation and cutting out food groups, and you want to be someone who can look in the mirror and actually see a visible transformation, and you're like me and you aren't willing to cut out sugar to get there, then macro counting is the tool that is missing from your tool belt. But just like any tool, any hammer, a saw, the tool is really only as effective as the person who is wielding the tool actually makes it. And what I see time and time again are women who start using the tool of macro counting without really understanding how to do it. They don't understand how to set or adjust their macros. And this leads them to getting lackluster results, getting frustrated with the process, and scrolling through Instagram just feeling defeated because they're like, well, macro counting worked for that woman. Why the heck didn't it work for me? And then getting to this place where they just quit and you say something silly like, well, I tried macro counting and it didn't work. That's like letting go of a helium balloon and watching it float away and saying, well, I guess gravity just didn't work. No, friend, science is science. Gravity is working just like it should on that balloon. You just don't quite understand the nuances of gravity, right? And it's the same thing with macro counting. The question is not, does macro counting work? Because macro counting is just basic science. The question is, how can I wield that scientific principle? How can I wield that tool of macro counting to get better results? How can I use that tool for my specific situation? And that's what I teach my clients inside of Confidence in Your Numbers. I created Confidence in Your Numbers because I saw a big glaring hole in the market. And that is too many women are relying on expensive coaches to set and adjust their macros for them. Now, I get it. Most coaches want you to pay them and in exchange, they'll set their ma- your macros for you. And then if you want to pay them more money, they'll quote unquote coach you and they'll adjust your macros for you week to week. But of course, they're not going to actually teach you how to do it yourself. Because why? Well, it's simple. It benefits them to make adjusting your macros and setting them feel as complicated and as nebulous as possible. But it's really not that complicated. And well, that's not my business model. I don't want to set your macros for you. And I really don't want you to keep paying me to have me adjust them for you. I would rather teach you how to do it yourself so that you don't have to keep paying someone month to month to do something that really is simple enough for you to do on your own. It's kind of like that comment saying, if you give a woman a fish, she eats for a day. And if you give a woman, teach a woman how to fish, she eats for a lifetime. So the question really is, do you want to be the woman who gets given a fish and then you're left metaphorically to starve when you stop paying for the fish? Or do you want to be the woman who learns how to fish so you can keep snagging those fish for free without having to rely on someone else to feed you? 
If you're like me and you're the type of woman who wants to learn how to fish, then Confidence in Your Numbers is for you. Confidence in Your Numbers is a live masterclass where I teach you how to set your macros for your unique body. And I teach you how to adjust them over time. Because here's the second common mistake that I see a lot of women making when they start counting macros. They set their macros and they're like, oh, success is just as easy as following these numbers to the finish line which is kind of like saying you can travel the world in a single vehicle, right? Okay, stay with me on this metaphor. So sure, a car is great for driving across the US, but then when you hit the Atlantic Ocean, you can't drive that car any further. You have to get into a new vehicle, like a boat or a plane to keep going. And the same thing applies to your macros. If you just set your macros once and keep following them, you're going to plateau, you're going to hit the Atlantic Ocean, and you're going to get frustrated because what you're doing isn't working anymore. And then you're going to quit. And then you're really not going to see results. So just like you have to swap out your vehicle based on the terrain, if you want to avoid plateauing in your journey, you're going to need to adjust your macros throughout the process. And which for some people could feel like it's really complex. And that's what most coaches want you to believe so that you'll pay them to do it. But I'm not like type of coach, which is why inside of Confidence Your Numbers, I've simplified adjusting macros into something that anyone can learn. And it allows you to skip the overpriced coach, accelerate your results, and keep your hard-earned money in your pocket. So if you want to learn to set and adjust your own macros, come join me for my live paid masterclass on July 28th. You can go to my website right now and you can purchase a prior recording of Confidence in Your Numbers. It's always on sale for $199. But because I will be delivering this class live, which is always more fun anyway, if you join before July 28th, you'll get all the secrets about setting and adjusting your macros for just $99. And because confidence in your numbers is the perfect step to take before signing up for Macros 101, we also allow you to apply what you pay towards confidence in your numbers into Macros 101, which means if you're listening to this and you plan to join us for the next round of Macros 101 at the end of August, joining confidence in your numbers is essentially free because the investment you make in confidence in your numbers will be applied towards your Macros 101 enrollment which is super cool. So if you're ready to finally snap that after picture that you've always wanted, come and join my live masterclass, Confidence in Your Numbers, and you're going to walk away with all those secrets that most coaches won't share about how to set and adjust your own macros. To sign up, go to bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash confidence to get registered for class. And I'll see you on July 28th. That's bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash confidence. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, and this is another I Did It series episode where we invite women on to be able to share their story, the lessons that they've learned along their way, and with hopes that as you listen, you will be able to learn from them, from their experiences, and from the wisdom that they have to share. So today on the episode, we have Kara Hagberg, and we had such a fabulous uh, interview on this one because this topic of buffering and emotional eating is one that comes up a lot. And as we talk about in the episode, processing emotions, dealing with emotions, moving through emotions is not something that most of us were taught at a young age. And so a lot of us have come up with ways to 
cover up the emotions, you know, create a wall, create a buffer between us and and our emotions. And Kara had that experience and, and is really generous in sharing her experience of becoming a mother and some of the emotions that came alongside of that and how she dealt with that with food. And then what that process looked like for her to be able to move beyond that and release some of the guilt and shame, release some of the emotions, move through those emotions and be able to discover a little bit more about herself through the process. So this is a fantastic episode. Um, make sure that you listen to it in whole because we talk about some really great topics in the realm of buffering and emotional eating. So without further ado, let's jump into the interview. I'm so excited to welcome Kara to the podcast. Kara, how are you doing? Good. I am really excited for you to share your story. We talked a little bit of before we hit record and uh, you expressed some concerns that you're like, I'm just a regular old person. <laughs> and, I, and I told you that that is exactly what we want. Um, we want just regular old people who are going through the journey because that's most of us are just regular old people. So um, will you just introduce yourself to my audience, you know, share a little bit about you and just a little bit of overview of who you are. Um, I am a mom of four, our oldest is 12. And then we have nine-year-old, almost nine-year-old twin boys and a five-year-old little girl. And I love them all a lot, but they're just hard kids. They don't have like any specific like challenges that I could name. They just are kind of hard kids. And I think that's where my whole journey started because it took us a long time to get pregnant. And we actually adopted our oldest daughter um, and it did, did in vitro for the rest. And so I think I started feeling really guilty that I didn't love every second of being a mom. And I really struggled with a lot of it. And I think those guilty feelings just led to more... Um, I don't know, just being harder and harder on myself. And it took me a long time to realize that I was kind of dealing with those feelings with food. And so then I was just harder and harder on myself and kind of hating myself more until my husband kind of had to sit me down and have a come to Jesus. And he's like, I think you don't love yourself. And I was like, that is the stupidest thing anyone's ever told me. Like, I'm not that <laughs> person. And like, I'm confident and I'm cool and all these things. And then I was just like, maybe he's right. And I just kind of started unpeeling these layers. And every time I feel like, okay, I've got myself figured out. I like peel back another layer. I'm like, oh, okay. And and I don't know, I just had all of these, um, I don't know, kind of like aha moments that finally got me to joining your program. And I feel like I just keep like peeling these layers back and just keep enjoying the journey, honestly, because I'm just like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm just going to keep learning these things and, and becoming better and overcoming things and, and more than just like my body and how I look and my weight and all of that. Yeah. So it's, it's like that, it's like that piece by piece of, I, I liked what you said of like discovering who you are, learning a little bit more yeah. about yourself, peeling away that, that onion uh, and really continuing on that journey. Um, you know, one of the things that you mentioned that I think is, is so incredibly common and, and it, and I want, and I'm curious if you recognize this at the time, you, you know, you have insight now that you can kind of label it, but do, when you were really in it, uh, with these feelings of, you know, maybe guilt and, and, 
and shame around, hey, I wanted this so bad and I had to go through such lengths to get these children. And then I got them and it's really freaking hard. And, <laughs> and, and I feel a little bad about like how, you know, you know, hard it is. And, uh-huh. um, and, and that emotion that came up with that and, and, and you turn to food, right? So emotional eating um, it was how you kind of handled those emotions. In the moment, were you able to identify that? Were you able to identify, oh, like I'm emotional eating or what, or is that something that only hindsight has kind of taught you as you look back and be like, oh, I, that's what I was doing. Um, not initially. I don't think it was kind of, as I started, um, trying different programs and listening to podcasts and things that I was like, oh, I think I, I think I do that. I think that's part of my problem. And And it's kind of interesting because a lot of my kids struggle with their own emotions. So I'm like, this is, I have to figure this out because I'm the one that has to be able to help them know the healthier ways to handle their own emotions. And, and now, especially I'm like, definitely in hindsight, I see it a lot more, but it was probably, you know, well into it that I was like, oh, this is this is why I'm gaining weight. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. And and one of the reasons I asked the question is because I, I, I feel like that is really common that sometimes you're in it and it's hard to label it in the moment. You just, you just know the side effects. Oh, I'm gaining weight. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm not happy. Oh, like I'm, you know, struggling. I'm just struggling. And that's kind of what we label it as. And sometimes it takes a little bit of distance um, or just even an awareness and I'll have, Oh, like I'm emotionally emotionally eating. I am self-soothing. I am mm-hmm. taking care of my emotions and trying to, you know, smooth over my emotions with food. And, and even just that aha and that realization takes you down a different path of, of figuring out how to solve it. Because if, if the reason you're stuck or the reason you're gaining weight is physical reasons or whatever, like this, the solution to it is very different than if it is uh, emotional eating. And right. so one of the things that it's sad is that we are never taught, or at least I, I, I should say, you know, kids who grew up in like the nineties and two thousands, um, we're never taught about emotions and how to process emotions, how to label emotions, right? Mm-hmm. It was never anything that I was ever taught in school. And so how did you learn? Cause you're, you know, you said something so wise is like, I need to learn how to, um, handle my emotions, manage my emotions. Cause I need to teach my children to do this, this, you know, as well. I need mm-hmm. to model it for them. So how did you go about learning how to process emotion without the help of food? Um, well, I tried counseling for a little while and, and I think a lot of people enjoy counseling and it's great for them. And I probably learned a couple things from her, but I didn't love it. Um, for one thing, like I'm busy like everybody else. And I hated having to like set aside this time once a month or every other week or whatever it was to like go and deal with it. And so I was like, I'm not doing this. any. it was like 150 bucks a session. I was just like, I'm not doing this. So then I tried like life coaching and just listening to podcasts and all of that. And all of that was super helpful. It just, and I take a couple of my kids to counseling and that has actually helped me a ton. Like them learning things helps and they give us things to help teach them all of that as well. Um, but I still like, still feel like I have a long ways to go and I'm still learning a ton because you have to figure out things that you, things you can turn to 
that are just as interesting as ice cream or pizza or mm-hmm. whatever. And that's hard after, especially after being a mom. Like I always tell people when they ask me, oh, what are your interests or hobbies? And I'm like, well, I'm interviewing hobbies right now because I feel like I gave them all up because I wanted to be this perfect mom. And now I'm like, okay, what do I actually really love and am truly interested in? And, and that's hard to like mm-hmm. really like figure out yourself that way as well and figure out, oh, this is, this is what I really, I think that's why I was so drawn to your program because it was like this project that I could do for, for me and I had complete control over it. No, no matter how good of a parent I am, I still am not going to control what my kids do and how they turn out a hundred percent, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. But doing this program, I had complete control over my own decisions and how much I wanted to invest in it um, as far as my time and my attitude. And yeah, so I think it's just finding things like that, that I could really, like I was all in like for the eight weeks and just trying to like absorb everything I could. And it helped me realize like, okay, I actually still really love learning. And so a lot of times now I'll just turn on like, I, I'm always listening to books and podcasts, but when I want to turn to food instead, I'll just turn on like, okay, what do I want to learn about today? And I'll try to think of, mm-hmm. pull up a book that I've saved, been saving for just that kind of moment or, and sometimes I still choose food. Like I mm-hmm. keep certain foods that I'm just like, no, today, this is what's just going to help me get through this really hard day. And then tomorrow's different or whatever. But I like how I learned that from the program too. Like, that's fine. As long as that was your decision from the yeah. beginning. It, it's the intentionality behind it that really yes. makes a difference yes. and, and reduces the emotion, like the guilt and the shame that's associated with it. I yeah. love that you said you're interviewing hobbies. I love that. <laughs> I love that language. I'm interviewing hobbies. Uh, and I think your experience is, is such a common one. And I'm sure moms, some moms out there can relate of you, when you become a mother, it can feel all encompassing and it can mm-hmm. feel like this is, this is my purpose and this is my life. And this is what I'm here to do is like raise this little kid and teach. And like that becomes your identity. And I think a lot of moms out there can relate of feeling like some part of you almost dies or you like lose a part of you as you transition into that identity of a mother. And at some point, it sounds like you kind of woke up to that fact of like, Oh my gosh, I don't know who I am separate from the identity of a mother. I don't know who I am. What do I like? Mm-hmm. What are my hobbies? What are what are my goals? What are my dreams? And I think a lot of women have that experience. And um, you know, it was so interesting you said that you did you did macros 101 for yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that that experience of investing in something for you is something that is a big step for a lot of women because we're willing to spend money on our kids softball and dance Mm -hmm. practices, but then you ask us to like invest in something for ourselves. And that can be a big ask. Was there any hesitation in, in that investment of time, investment of resources, investment of money into you and your development? Or is that something that was pretty easy? Um, not this, yeah, this time it was easy for me just because I was super anti macros for a long time. Cause I was like, that sounds so hard. Like I, I've never really counted anything and I've just always tried to like do a little bit better and be a little bit more mindful. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I was just like, well, 
I'm just going to try this, you know, just like the basics of what I knew. I kind of tried over a year's time or so, and I still didn't know what I was doing. So I saw no progress. And then, um, I was like, I had been listening to your podcast for a long time and we, I think we were driving home from a trip or something. And I got an email that was like, macros 101 is opening. And I was like, okay, done. I'm doing it. I didn't even ask my husband. (laughs) Yeah. Which I always do. I was just like, no, like I am ready to, cause my youngest is going into kindergarten this year. And I'm like, Oh, do I, what do I want to do? I feel like you have to do something when your kid goes to kindergarten. I'm like, do I want to go back to school? Do I want to get a job? Do I just want to read a book all day? Like, yeah. And I was like this, I want, this is what I want to do. I mean, she's not in school yet, but this is what I want to do and go from there. And so I just did it. And then like halfway into the program, my husband's like, what are these classes you keep saying you have to listen to? I was like, uh, like when I would listen to the modules and stuff. And so I finally explained it to him. I was like, Oh yeah. And I paid for this. And he was just like, well, it's fine. I think you're doing really great. So I was like, okay, this, this was right. This was the right thing to do. So yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. What were some of the shifts that you had, um, during macros 101? What were some of the aha moments that you had that really kind of shifted course for you? Um, well, I think two that kind of were interchangeable or related to each other, um, like celebrating your wins. Um, I had never listened and like actually wrote them down when you told us to, and I would listen to the coaching calls, but I would think of them in my head. And it's just funny because I've noticed over the last month or so while we've been traveling and doing all these things and I haven't been like super strict, I still am just coming up with them in my head. Like they just pop up in my head out of nowhere. Mm. And like, we're also in the process of moving. And so I was con- my, one of my worst habits is just stopping at the pantry every time I walk by. And I had been doing that like all morning, every time I walked to the garage to grab a box and, and then I just stopped. I was like, Oh, I actually don't feel like eating anything right now. I don't feel like stopping by the pantry every time I walk by and like that night I was just like oh my gosh that was a huge win like that's I was being more mindful and and at the same time realizing that I don't have because I am a perfectionist and luckily I learned in college that that's not necessarily a good thing and so I've been working for like 20 years to overcome it overcome it and um I don't know. Like it's just helped me so much. Cause I'm like, Oh, it's okay that I've only done 1% better today. Or it's okay that I only said no one time or that I ate really good until that one meal or, you know, just mm-hmm. little things that help me still keep going instead of completely fall off and go crazy. Yeah. That's so good. And, and I think something that I want to highlight that you've kind of reiterated a couple of times uh, during the interview is that, Oh, sometimes people think, um, especially people who have emotionally ate in the past, they think that the solution or that the goal destination to get to is to never emotionally eat in the future. And what I heard you say was that uh, what the goal really started to become was to be more intentional about it. And that sometimes you chose to listen to a podcast or sometimes you chose to do something else. And sometimes you chose to eat the food and that all of those were wins because they were more intentional. They weren't reactionary. And I think that that's um, hopefully for those of you who are listening, who do struggle with emotional eating, that that can be kind of a sigh of relief. Of like the goal is like not to 
never ever have a cookie when you feel sad. That's not the goal. The goal mm-hmm. is for it to be conscious and, and to be intentional and say, I'm feeling sad. I'm choosing to have this cookie. I'm going to eat it. And then I, there's not the guilt associated. There's not the shame associated with that it becomes this big spiral. You told me before we hit, um, record, which I'd love if you would share it, uh, on the podcast is, is a little bit about what that experience has been like for you. You've been traveling and, um, how you, how that has manifested in where you're at now in your journey. Um, okay. Say that again. Yeah. <laughs> I okay. will start. Sorry. <laughs> you're fine. Yes. So I'm, I want to know how you've been able to be more intentional about choosing the foods and getting rid of the guilt and the shame that comes around around with it. Um, you talk about eating a peanut butter cup every single mm-hmm. night. Yes, <laughs> you that's talk exactly about like, what I thought of. Yeah, yes. like the cheese and crackers you were telling me about beforehand. So I'm just, I wanted you to be able to share that so people can kind of get that insight and that experience into okay. where you're at. Yes. So, well, you totally inspired me by getting your six pack, still eating a bowl of ice cream every night. Cause I was like, Oh, okay. Well, I love peanut butter cups. And this, I started like right around Easter time. And so they have like the egg shaped ones, which are better than the regular ones. Why are they so good? They're so much better. It's the 4th of July. Why don't we have like a star shaped one? I need the (laughs) the better ones. Uh. So that was what I made my goal. Like I put that in my, um, my fitness pal every night when I would log the night before, you know, and work around that every day. And, and there were some days even that I was like, Oh, I don't even need that tonight. And, um, so yeah, that's one thing. Another thing that we, it was started as a bad habit, but turned into a family tradition. Cause I would just be shot by the end of the week with all these little kids. And so we started like a pizza movie night every weekend and I got to have my favorite food and my kids were focused on the TV and I could just like, we just had like an hour to just take a break before bedtime. And, um, it started as like a way for me to buffer all my feelings from the week. And and now it's this family tradition that everybody loves and I get to look forward to pizza all week. So I know that I have that at the end of the week, Mm -hmm. um, to kind of keep me going, making better choices during the week. Yeah. Okay. So you used a word that I want to make sure people understand because I apparently used this in a prior podcast and I had so many people messaging me being like, what is that? So use the word of buffering. And that's mm-hmm. a word that we often will use, especially when it comes to emotional eating, because what you're essentially doing is, is covering up. You're, you're creating a buffer between you and the emotion. So you don't have to feel the emotion. But the problem is mm-hmm. when you buffer with food, it doesn't actually solve the underlying emotion. You don't ever actually right. process the emotion. So it it's, it's like a bandaid on a, an open wound that's never going to actually solve the actual problem. And so, um, you know, it's, it's important. And I, again, I'm pointing out this because the, you know, you said it started as a, as a a bad habit and it has transitioned into, what did you say? A tradition, like a family tradition. Yep. Yes. So the difference there, because if I was just watching you, I would say, well, nothing's changed. You're eating pizza at the end of the week and you're eating pizza at the end. So like from the outside perspective, nothing has changed. But what you experienced is that one of those experiences was buffering. And one of those experiences was being intentional and choosing it. And that's the difference is like, it can look the same to an outside perspective, but in one instance, it was reactionary. It was Mm -hmm. not thought through. It was, um, life is taking me. I'm, I have no control, that type of thing. And the other one, it's like, no, on Friday nights, this is what we do. This is our family tradition. And I'm making an intentional choice to do it. And so the reason that I'm highlighting this so hard is because 
a lot of times from an outside perspective, nothing changes, but it is the inside dialogue mm-hmm. that really changes when we start helping women to, to improve their emotional eating, their buffering with food. Um, yeah. So that's a, such a great example to be able to really uh, illuminate that for people who are listening. So thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Um, last question. You had shared with me that loving yourself, and we can go back to that question that your husband asked you where he was like, <laughs> I don't think you love yourself. And you're like, I don't think you're right. <laughs> but then you thought about it a little bit and maybe there was a grain of truth there. Um, you shared that like, as you improved that self-concept, that self-love, that it actually improved the results that you were getting. So can you explain that process and how you started to make that shift in your own personal life? Yeah. Um, I'm still trying to wrap my head around this, honestly, because it seems so not right, I guess. I don't know. Um, because I was raised to, I was raised in a very positive environment, Mm -hmm. but it was still always like, okay, well how, like we all played basketball growing up. And after every game, it was like this, um, I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, you know, like a review and Mm -hmm. you did this great, you did this great, but how can you work on this? And, Mm -hmm. and you need to do better at this. And so it was always, which is great. Like I'm always trying to improve and always trying to become better, but Mm -hmm. I have, I have personally just taken it too far and gotten way too hard on myself. And so just this idea that, oh, I, I am loved exactly the way I am and I can love myself for who I am um, and still work on things that I need to work on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like that is part of working on it is learning to love yourself is part of the work in improving yourself. And, and it's helped me to, I mean, I always love my kids, but it's helped me to really love them for who they are and not be so afraid of like I have one little boy that just has such a temper and I'm just like, as soon as he has a tantrum, I'm like, he's going to beat his wife. I just know it. He's going to end up in jail. I mean, just this, <laughs> I love like, our brains. Extreme, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <it's just> ridiculous. <laughs> you know, instead of being like, no, he's exhibiting this behavior now so that I can help him mm-hmm. now so yeah. that it's not a problem right. when he's married or, yeah. you know, yeah. So yeah, I just realized that loving myself is part of the whole process and I'm still working really hard on it, but that's awesome. That's so good. Anything else that you want to share as we close anything that, um, for someone who's listening, who maybe was in a, is in a position that you were in a little while ago, um, and they're in the throes of motherhood or <laughs> emotional eating, any advice that, you know, you could go back and give yourself or that person who's listening. Um, part of me just feels like (laughs) my sister just had her third baby yesterday. And, and I'm looking at the pictures of this baby, like, Oh, he's so cute. I'm so happy. I'm not you (laughs) (laughs) because I just did not love those stages. And Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like just, just get through it. However you need to honestly, because there will come a stage that you can get yourself back together. I don't know. Cause I, I do, I just feel like there's no way I could have done some of these things then I just wasn't there yet. And I wasn't, I don't know, other things hadn't come along to prepare me for where I am now. And so part of me feels like it, yeah, when you're in the middle of anything hard, like sometimes you do just have to do what you have to do to get through it. And 
Mm-hmm. And there will be a new day. That's, yeah. I always feel like on my worst days, I, for whatever reason, the next day is always a better day. And I just always try to remember that, that it's okay if this is a hard stage. I mean, I feel like that in our marriage constantly, like we'll have like the super high and then the super low. And I'd mm-hmm. never get upset in the super low. Cause I'm like, Oh, the super high is coming. And, and I think that can be with food or working out or parenting or anything. So that it's okay to have a bad day or a bad month or year and a good one will come. That's really good. Thanks so much for sharing your story, Kara. It was awesome. And I'm really grateful for you being on the podcast today. Thank you. What a fantastic episode with Kara. I'm just so grateful for her sharing her story and, and, you know, everything that, that came along with it. One of the last things that she talked about that I thought was such wise advice. And she talked about, you know, seasons of our lives and, and sometimes you just have to put your head down and just get through some of those hard times. And I, I completely echo that. One of the things that was coming up for me that I didn't share, um, but I'll share now is just, I, I use the phrase a lot when the, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And it, when she was speaking, that came up for me again. Um, and I think that that is such a true a true thing that you're not always ready. It's the time isn't always right. And I don't say that the time is right. I think sometimes we can use that as like, Oh, the time's not right. Like I'm so busy. We can use that as an excuse as a way to push things off. And we have to be careful, you know, not to do that. But at the same time, I think recognizing that there are times and seasons in your life where things are going to, are going to be right. And, and maybe, you know, you're in one of those hard seasons or times, but I do believe that when we're ready and when that, when that time is right, even if it doesn't feel right, (laughs) that the teacher appears and we're given that opportunity to make that next, that next step and that next, next leap in our growth. And I think even sometimes, um, when it doesn't feel like it's the right time, because let's be honest, it never is going to be the perfect time. Um, but when you are ready, that teacher will appear. And a lot of times I use that as cues in my life that maybe even if I didn't think I was ready, that I am ready because the teacher is present. And on some level, that means I'm ready I'm ready to hear this. Because if I wasn't ready to hear it, I, I wouldn't have let that in. I wouldn't have listened. I wouldn't have had that experience because I would have just been shutting that that stuff out. So anyway, that was something that came up for me. I, I love that idea that when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And if you are listening to this and you are someone who wants to learn more about your body, learn more about macros, learn more about how to take control of your journey. I invite you to come experience, come invest in confidence in your numbers. It's a live masterclass where I teach you the process of starting to figure macros out, starting to figure out where to start with your with your macros, how to make those adjustments, how to get feedback from your body, how to listen to that feedback so that you can really create this customized plan for you that's going to work. You can go to bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash confidence to get signed up. Our live class will be on July 28th. So if you register before then, you can get a discount, a 50% discount on confidence in your numbers. And then we allow you to apply that investment towards Macros 101 when we open on August 29th. That wraps up this episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm Amber. Now go out and be strong because remember my friend, you can do anything. Hey friend, have you heard the news? We have a Biceps After Babies Radio insider list. If you love Biceps After Babies Radio, you don't want to miss a thing. Head to bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash insider to join the group. 
You'll be the first to know all things about the podcast, see some behind the scenes, and get special messages from yours truly. We want to make this a special community for those who are fans of the podcast. And last, did this episode particularly resonate with you? If so, will you please share it? Either send the link to someone who would find it valuable or take a screenshot and post it to your social media and tell your family and friends why they should listen. Make sure you tag me at Biceps After Babies so I can hear your feedback and give you a little love. And you know, if you aren't already following me on Instagram or Facebook, that's the perfect time to hit that follow button. Thank you for being here and listening to Biceps After Babies Radio.